Most of the time, we review books that we really like here on The Book Boys. Other times, we review books that stink. And when a book really stinks, we get fussy. So this is a warning that sometimes we'll swear on this podcast, or sometimes the material that we're reviewing will be adult in nature. So keep that in mind as you listen to this week's episode. Sweet Ben, it's been three weeks. Oh, was that Sweet, comma Ben, or were you calling me Sweet Ben? <laughs> I was calling you Sweet Ben. What would Sweet, comma Ben be? Sweet Ben. <laughs> oh, I see. No, that wasn't what I was going for. I was calling you Sweet Ben because you're a, you're a sweet, sweet little man. Yeah, I would never try to dominate you and control your life. <laughs> oh, you can't make references to off-air conversations that we've had. Where I tried to confront him about how controlling and dominating he is, and he, of course, denies it, and then told me I'm stupid, and it's all in my head, and I think too much. So. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Uh, has anything exciting or, you know, anything noteworthy of discussion happened in the last three weeks? Because for me, almost nothing. Yeah, there's... No. <laughs> not, not much. I did... I, I bought a... A bonsai treat? I don't. Did I tell you about that before? I think that's from the last episode. Three oh weeks yeah, it ago. is. Okay. Oh, How yeah, is that I bonsai it, tree doing? Did you yeah, make it in the shape of a phallus? Like you're I think I, I think I already killed it. Hmm. How? That beautiful thing. You know. took a picture of it for Instagram because I yeah. got on Instagram recently to post yeah. up about how I record another. And I saw your older picture. I was like, oh, look at that bonsai tree. That thing looks beautiful and healthy and 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 sprightly. What'd you do to it? Well, I repotted it because I had to get it into... Because when I got it from the garden center, it wasn't in bonsai soil. So I had to put it in my new pot that I got and use bonsai potting soil. And I think the shock of that might have been too much for it to handle. I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping it's just it's winter and it'll, it'll come back in the spring and maybe it's just kind of dormant right now. But it's not it's not looking nearly as healthy as it was when I got it. So no, we'll see. Lord. So it's, real, it's real touch and go with the bonsai right now. No, that stinks. Do you, uh, does it need light? Do you just, like, keep it in your fridge? Where are you keeping it? Yeah, it's in the fridge. Is that <laughs> is that bad? I, I think it might be. I think it needs more light than that. And also a room temperature. So you might be screwed. Get it out of the fridge, Ben. See if okay. it uh, perks up a little bit after that. Yeah, no, it's, it's sitting by the window. It's behind another plant, so it's getting light, but it's getting, like, dappled sunlight. It's not getting too much direct light, so. Is that what you're supposed to have? I don't know. Yeah, apparently. So, um, all right. But anyway, it's it's not looking good. So that's just a, a metaphor for my life right now. I guess I, <laughs> I was going to ask where'd you? I forgot where you got the bonsai tree from. Was that a gift or did you buy it yourself? I bought it myself. Oh, okay, I thought maybe that was part of like a work gift. How is work going, by the way? Yeah, it's it's yeah. <laughs> I, well, I can't. <laughs> Now I realize I can't talk about it. Um, I was reading my um, non-compete and confidentiality agreement. Oh, no. And there's a there's a non-disparagement clause in there, so I'm not, <laughs> I, I, I'm not allowed to talk shit about my company. So. Well, it's a little too late for that now. You've already called the uh, CEO out on multiple times. I love how draconian that is. Only the shittiest places have a non-disparagement. Uh, thing, I worked for an yeah. ad agency years ago that had a non-compete where you 
basically couldn't work for anyone that's even mildly associated with one of their clients. Not even their clients directly, but just mildly associated. One person that wound up getting laid off, they looked at it and they talked to a lawyer and the lawyer's like, we can absolutely fight this. It's completely ridiculous, but it will wind up being expensive and eat up a lot of your time. So it's kind of not worth doing. So it's like every creepy place does like yours has. Yeah, like the non-compete part of it isn't super restrictive. Like I, like I'll be able to work elsewhere. It's just weird that the non-disparagement clause is in there. So yeah, that's the creepy part because yeah. you should be able to openly complain about them if you want to, especially when they it's align themselves when politically. People. Yeah, I mean, if they get themselves involved. Oh, yeah, I didn't say that. That's especially if they were terrible people. I didn't say they were. <laughs> well, they align themselves with political. Uh, people coming into our state and then spreading COVID everywhere. So it's like, you should be able to speak openly about that, but whatever. (laughs) Well, I guess that takes away a good portion of our show. (laughs) I can always sit back and allow you to drive the car with complaints about your work uh, at the beginning of most episodes, but not this time. Damn it. Oh, sorry. Well, whatever. How's, uh, I don't know, dating? Oh, that's not your business. (laughs) How's, uh, I don't know, are you ever going to get a pet? Can you have a dog at the place you live? Uh, no, I can't. My building doesn't allow dogs, so. Um, if huh. I want a dog in my life, I would just have to date somebody with a puppy, I guess. No, all right. Well, that's probably the easiest way to go. Non-committal. Yeah. You can bow out. If, like, it turns out you don't like the dog, you just break up with the person. So that's pretty good. <laughs> yes. Me? <clears throat> Thanks yeah, for asking, you? Ben. Yeah. Uh, how's, how's working life going for you? Ah, it's going good. This is my very last week. This coming Friday, I am done working at my place of employment, and uh, and it'll be a relief. It'll be nice to get out, and I have plans I'm for me to do some you. personal growth. Uh, that sounds creepy. I was just thinking like personal growth, like I'm going to learn a new programming language and stuff, but that just kind of comes you? off like a religious thing happening. Oh, I thought you're... <laughs> That sound like an erection thing happening. Oh, work on my personal growth. <laughs> but beyond that, um, no, nothing. I helped my sister and brother-in-law move into a new apartment a while ago. So after helping them move, um, as I was helping them move a bed uh, up into their bedroom, I was the the loser at the front of the bed. So I'm walking backwards, and my brother-in-law uh, accidentally gave a little push as we we're going up the stairs. I uh, gave a little push by accident, which threw me off, and I fell back on my butt bone, which hurts. So then I I looked up uh, the butt bone, this because this hurts. <laughs> what could I do to make the pain go away besides just take a lot of Advil? Uh, and it turns out it's called the coccyx. So yeah. my coccyx hurts, Ben. Well, that's uh, too bad. Yeah, it's like tough to get out of chairs and stuff. It's uh, pretty pretty sore, and I guess it lasts for quite a long time when you hurt the old coccyx. That's literally it. I got nothing else. Getting laid off on Friday and uh, looking forward to being unemployed and, and working on my boner strength, and then also I have a sore coccyx. Yeah, and you can spend more time in your library now, right? That's true. I've been bragging to you. I've been sending you photos. Uh, I have taken my dining room because who the hell uses a dining room? Dining rooms are for suckers. They just sit there unused all the time. Uh, get rid of it. Bought some cabinets from Ikea, or bookshelves from Ikea. Uh, I already had a couple chairs. Uh, bought myself a table. Got a banker's lamp that I put on the table. And a lot of mood lighting. And uh, now I have a <laughs> library. An official library in my home. 
which I've always wanted since I was a little kid, and I finally have it. It's even got globes in it and uh, and busts of people I've never mm. heard of. Uh, so I, that's kind of fun. I've seen the pictures, and I'm impressed and jealous. So, And, uh, oh, I even got the paper. My daughter said she wants to start reading the paper, which I thought was adorable. Cause uh-huh. Yeah, and there is... So I bought it, or I signed up for it. Did I tell you it. I've been getting the paper on Sundays lately? Oh, have you? Yeah, I got a, a Sunday subscription to the New York Times. Oh, oh, oh. I'm just doing uh, the local uh, state okay. paper uh, here. But, uh, well, I guess we've already said millions of times that we live in Minneapolis. So I'm getting a subscription to Star Tribune. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing the same day as week one. I think I put Minneapolis in every Instagram post, too. I oh, have you? Location <laughs> take, yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. Uh, so, yeah, um, I signed up for the seven-day one, so it's just like a, a smaller paper. It's not like the big Sunday one or anything like that. Uh, so I, it's, I'm living the stereotype life. Like, every morning I get up, I walk outside uh, in my pajamas and go pick up the paper because they never throw it at my door. So I have to go all the way down to the, almost by the street. And then uh, bring that in. And then I drink coffee and I look through the paper. And my daughter is all excited because she hasn't uh, been here yet with the paper. But she's going to sit down and drink coffee in the morning and read the paper too. It's just damn cute. So I'm yeah. all set for unemployment. It's going to be a, a whole, I, I may never go back to working again. I don't know how I'm going to pay for my stuff, but I'll figure it out. Well, yeah, worry, worry about that part later. <laughs> exactly. Follow your dream. Well, I got the guy across the street who clearly sells drugs because his big fancy truck keeps leaving the house like every hour, uh, all the way through <laughs> the night, like three, four or five in the morning. He's up, he's out. He comes back 20 minutes later, parks, goes in his house. So I could just go ask him like, how do you make your money? I want in on the grift. <laughs> yeah. Careful how you play that one, but yeah, that's a good <laughs> idea. Well, should we, uh, Get into the Backyard Blast Bird Blurb. Yeah, cue up that music. Okay, so whenever you're ready, dive into it. Hold on. Okay, now get ready to go. (laughs) (laughs) Gretchen's Backyard Blast Bird Blurb. In honor of Valentine's Day, we will learn a little about lovebirds. Oh. They are a type of parrot. There are nine species of lovebirds, and they are native to Africa and Madagascar. They are called lovebirds because they mate for life and spend long periods of time sitting together. Their lifespan is about 15 years. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I didn't realize that lovebirds were... Real? I thought it was just a silly term. I didn't realize that it's an actual thing. Yeah, I guess I, I didn't uh, know that either. So no. So so thank you, thank you, mother. We're always thrilled to learn new things from you. <laughs> hey, Glenn. Oh Lord. Wh- what do you call two birds in love? Love birds. Tweet hearts. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> Is that hey. it? Hey, 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 Glenn. Glenn, Glenn, Glenn. What? What did one sheep say to the other sheep on Valentine's Day? Blow me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Where's this going? (laughs) Did I get it? I 
think I may should just say yeah and let let that be the punchline. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> like, wow, you actually got it this time. <laughs> well, what uh, is it? You want the real punchline? Yeah. No. Are you, are you sure? I mean. Nah, blow me isn't that great of a punchline. Let's hear the real one. Well, it kind of was the way you said it. Do you want to do no, the voice No, I want to hear it. Just give me the real punchline. Your mom's going to get upset if I, like, if we make the thing, she gives oh, us sh- a joke, and then oh, I sh- have my own punchline. Yeah, no, shit, you're right. She'd be so mad. She'd leave I know, the show. you're right. I definitely don't want to be on my mom's bad side. You're right. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Mom. Mm-hmm. I love you. Oh, you. Yeah. Yeah, we should have stuck with blow me. Yeah. Well, with that. Hey, hey, Glenn, Glenn, Glenn. I got another one? Oh, Glenn, my God. Glenn. Go on. What did one sheep say to the other sheep on Valentine's Day? What's with all the sheep-focused Valentine's jokes? I don't know. This is getting weird. It's I don't know. I'm not uncomfortable. What did one say to the other on Valentine's Day? Yeah, well, it's you know what my the exact same be. setup as the last joke. Yeah, you know what my answer's going to be. Yeah. All right, what is it for real? I love you back. <laughs> Wait, what? (laughs) How is that a creative punchline? Well, I think, okay, so these two jokes are supposed to work in unison, I think. I love you, I love you back. Oh, and I love you. But why the back? All right. Well, that that part doesn't make much sense. Because the sheep go on the back. Yeah, uh, all right. It was the same fucking thing you did with the blowjob joke. It's the same joke. Yeah, but mine has the the benefit of, like, it catches you off guard, and it's kind of like a little blue, and, but, (laughs) uh, all right, fine. God damn right. it. Well, let's move on to what's Hey, Glenn, up. Glenn, Glenn, Glenn. You have another? Knock, knock. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> knock, knock. <laughs> and I hate this part where you just keep saying knock, knock. <laughs> Who's knock, there? Knock. Who's there? Jamaica. Now I'm just trying to hear it in my head before I say it out loud so I don't fall, any, fall for anything horrible. Jamaica who? Jamaica Mia Valentine? <laughs> Can we move on or is there more? Um <laughs> she also Oh my god. <laughs> How many are there? She also wanted uh so she's got parenting tips now too. So, um what? She, she she's branching out. She never checked with us on this. This is never cleared. Oh, uh, she has said to remember to to tell Glenn that if he's having trouble getting his kids to laugh, uh, he can use any of my jokes that he wants. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, where did she get that from? If I said that I can't make my kids laugh or something, where is that coming from? Yeah, I think so. I think you've heard oh, that okay. before. So. Well, it's been a um, while. It's been three weeks since we recorded the last one, so I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, because you're too busy helping your sister move and stuff. <laughs> and breaking my coccyx. Breaking your coccyx, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to our next segment then. Are you yeah, done? Yeah, let's slap some teens with a book or something. Is that oh, what it's called? Yeah. What's up now, bitches? Here's some, <laughs> here's some books. We're going to slap you, teens. Okay, the music hasn't started yet, so we just hold off for a second. Okay, now if you want to shout at teens, go ahead. Yeah, what's up, team motherfuckers? I'm going to slap you upside the head with these books. <laughs> what's up? Uh, new books for teens uh, that slap. Oh, that's right. Okay. I was Is that close. what it's called? I think so. I don't know. You always remember, and I keep forgetting. <clears throat> this week, 
And we're gonna read uh, a review of Stormbreak by Natalie C. Parker. Uh, in this epic conclusion to the Seafire trilogy, which Bookless called Mad Max by way of Davy Jones. <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? I don't know. I mean, is that, it just sounds, is that just the movie Waterworld starring Kevin Costner? <laughs> yeah, isn't that Mad Max by way of Davy Jones? So could they just say it's like, uh, it's basically the Waterworld of books? Yeah. Uh, Caledonia sticks with an X. Will risk everything. Dash her heart her crew, and even her life to defeat Lur, L-I-R, and take back the Bullet Seas once and for all the Bullet Seas. What's what's this thing called? Uh, It's called Stormbreak. It's about pirates. Uh, Pirates that look like some sort of steampunky pirate? Now we'll find out. (laughs) Arik, it's an A-R-I-C, Arik Afar is dead. But the fight for the bullet seas is far from over. Caledonia's nemesis, Lur, the one responsible for destroying her family, has seized control of the warlord's army. Caledonia and her crew have fled to Cloudbreak. This is all just nonsense. Uh, to prepare for an all-out war. <laughs> and they are not the only ones. This is just someone masturbating into a book. Like, I have great ideas, and I have a lot of weird names. Rogue ships, and even a few defecting bullets, show up to join their fight. But Lur always seems to be one step ahead of Caledonia, anticipating her every more as her every more as he secures the seas for himself. Whatever. With the fight growing desperate, Caledonia <laughs> is forced to make an unlikely and unsteady alliance with a new enemy. It's a gamble that could cost her everything. But with the fate of the seas in her hands, Caledonia will do whatever it takes to win the war. That's coming out February 9th. Are you hard right now? Because I am. Or is that just me? I. I, I can neither confirm nor deny that. <laughs> These books never make any sense, but I swear to God, uh, some of the ones I've read for my other podcast, the romance ones, are so they look so bad and good. We're talking like double duty mountain men bad. The hockey one, <laughs> I really want us to read one of the hockey ones. So yeah. let's not forget that. Okay, We're going to be a little late for Valentine's Day for that. But, all right, uh, let's move on. Burp to the actual uh, book itself. This week, uh, we have begun reading The Book of Dust. La Belle Sauvage by Philip Pullman. Uh, The background of this book is Pullman conceived the book of dust uh, before the publication of Lyra's Oxford in 2003, originally as a single volume. So I guess he wrote another thing, which is just like to make money about Lyra Oxford, uh, a bunch of short stories. Okay. Yeah, writing was underway in 2005, but by 2011, Pullman said that he was considering splitting the novel into two volumes, which he definitely should have done, one set before his Dark Materials and the other set afterwards. In February 2017, Pullman announced that the Book of Dust had become a companion trilogy, which should have been split up into multiple books. La Belle Sauvage was ultimately released on the 19th of October 2017, so he started this in 2005, and it wasn't released till 2017. You got anything well, you want to say about the author or anything? Well, it was uh, 2017. Those were 
um, exciting times. We had a, a a vibrant new president back then. Oh, vibrant, yeah. That. No, yeah. well, was, vaguely, but yeah, yeah. Anything felt possible back in 2017. It was, <laughs> it was exciting times. Uh, <laughs> With Trump in <laughs> office, I'm like, anything could happen. I'm so excited for the possibilities and opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> Look how far we've come. So. I know. <laughs> We're doing great. Yeah. Yeah, well, do you have anything about <laughs> Sorry, the author? You want to th- instead of just talking about Trump again, do you want to <laughs> talk about the author at some point? I, that's all I could think of from 2017. Like, that's just when the world ended. Um, I don't know. Philip Pullman, he's written a lot of books. This is one of them. <laughs> is this your personal take? <laughs> uh, he's written a lot of books. This is one. Uh, people seem to like him. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have anything about that. I didn't. I didn't do uh, much prep. I so um, this morning when I texted you while I was at work to see if we we're going to be recording tonight, at yeah, the agreed upon time. Um, you, you said you were like, yeah, you're going to be ready, and you're just like making your notes. And I kind of realized like I didn't really make many notes here. I didn't do. I didn't really follow <laughs> the, the format. Like I read it and I did. I jotted down like just basic notes about characters and plot points, but I didn't really. I forgot about the structure of the show. It's been three weeks. I forgot how the show works, so I don't yeah, have anything about the right. author. <clears throat> yeah. Ben, all you got to do is bring your winning personality here. Uh, you're a great friend of the show, and we appreciate you on every episode. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> appreciate it. <laughs> well, I got some. Uh, there's not a whole lot to talk about. He's kind of a boring person, and uh, I found out that he's sort of just a guy who's really into himself when it comes to religion like he's it's fine to have an opinion on religion I get that that doesn't bother me or anything like that he has stated that he's a Church of England atheist and a 1662 Book of Common Prayer atheist because those are the traditions he was brought up in he says he's technically agnostic Uh, he's singled out elements of Christianity for criticism quoting uh, if there is a God he is as Christians describe him that he deserves to be put down and rebelled against. Which, yeah, I get it. But also, you're saying this to, like, People Magazine? Well, <laughs> I mean, that was generally the plot of the first trilogy of his that we read. Yeah, so. right. Uh, then he acknowledges that the same could be said of all religions. So he has, like, a lot, of, a lot to say in general about religion, which is fine. I'm not against that. It's just, like... Uh, there's got to be more to you than this. But no, there's more. He's also referred to himself as knowingly uh, the Devil's Party. It's a reference to William Blake's revisionist view of Milton in the marriage of heaven and hell. So this is the level of dorkiness that this guy has when it comes to this topic. Pullman is a supporter of Humanists UK and an honorary associate of the National Secular Society. In 2011, he was given Services to Humanism Award by the British Humanist Association for his contribution as a long-standing supporter. Uh, New Yorker journalist Laura Miller described Pullman as one of England's most outspoken atheists. Uh, he has characterized the atheist totalitarian regimes as religions. <laughs> so, yeah, he's just one of those guys. Not that it makes him a bad person. It's just kind of like I, w- uh, I would not want to be at a party with him. And I was going to say, aren't, like, aren't you kind of one of those guys too, though, sometimes? Maybe, but I've actually learned enough about religion that if someone brings up religion, I usually go, oh, well, it turns out Hindus believe this. Isn't that weird? <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> Versus all religions are wrong. <laughs> like, and also I contribute a lot of money to the humanist party here in Minneapolis. <laughs> like I have all these weird... Weird organizations. So that's 
that's kind of all I got to say about him. He just kind of sounds <laughs> like he's a, a boring guy to be around. Uh, I, got anything else to add? <laughs> you dive into the overview of the book. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that assessment, but uh, no, I don't have anything else to add. If you were going to interview someone and all they did was just talk, t- talk about one topic that you might agree with, but also just kind of like, can we move on? That's what this guy is to me from what I was reading. I mean, a lot about his religion <laughs> or religious beliefs. There is a ton out there on it because he won't stop talking about it. Well, okay. it's like if someone's a Civil War buff, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, I get it. The Civil War is interesting, but... You know, that doesn't make you interesting. Move on. Talk about 90 Day Fiance or something. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> okay. All right. You've, you've made your point. Well, Thank you. Well, yeah, well I'm not said. really going to take no for an answer on this one because I read through a lot of this shit and I'm just like, God, you're so boring. All right, then. Go ahead and uh, give us the overview of the book. Aren't you going to clap or something? No, I just did that already. Now I have to do this again. <laughs> All right, Ben, <laughs> get into the overview of the goddamn book. I'm sorry. Am I dominating you now? Have <laughs> you I taken are. over? <laughs> and you're going to tell me, like, I'm, all, I'm in my head too much. <laughs> yeah, stop. I just got to shut up and. Yeah. <clears throat> Go on. <laughs> so, all right, all right, all right. So, so here's the deal. Okay. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're back in, uh, well, okay, we, we read the first trilogy, right? The, uh, Heck the yeah, we Compass, did. Uh, the Subtle Knife and the Amber Spyglass, and we, we learned about uh, Lyra and uh, her Fuck version yeah, we of, did. of Oxford, England, and it's it's not the world that we live in, Glenn, you and I. It's, it's, it's a different world. There's there's many <laughs> worlds, and Lyra lives in a slightly different one. So so this this the Book of Dust, uh, Volume 1, La Belle Sauvage, uh, sees us back in Lyra's Oxford, and uh, it doesn't follow Lyra though. It follows a, a boy, a boy of about eleven years old named Malcolm Polstead. Uh, Malcolm <laughs> lives with his parents in an inn that his parents own and operate uh, down down river a little bit from Oxford. What's and, that inn called, real quick? Uh, some of the Trout or something. Heck yeah, it is. All right, go on. <laughs> are you just are you just quizzing me? I'm just trying to make this story sound way more exciting than it really is. Go on. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. So so it's on the river here. There's this inn, the trout that the Polsteads run. Uh, on the other side of the river is uh, the, like the nun, the place where they what was that thing called? Uh, was it the priory? Yeah, the priory. Yeah, that's right. So so you get this little idyllic little hamlet. It sounds like here and. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, Malcolm Paulson, he sounds like a bright, curious boy, uh, very very polite and well-liked. Um, helps his parents, like I said, uh, waiting tables and whatnot, bringing beers to drunks. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, we, we find out uh, on the other side of the river, the Priory, there's a baby staying there for some reason, taking mm-hmm. sanctuary of some sort. So uh, mm-hmm. that, that's that's an intriguing development, isn't it? Um, and it should be, except these... that if we've read the previous trilogy... None of this is exciting because we okay. find out that that baby's Lyra. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, you're gonna Jesus. It's like, Christ, well, that mystery died. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, now it did because you killed it. But okay. Oh, so no, it anyway. died in the first chapter or <laughs> the second chapter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's like, oh, okay. the baby's Lyra. Well, that's not a mystery. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. But there's other stuff going on too. So there's like <laughs> there's like church people running around, um, and, and you know, at, at the very beginning of the book, before we knew it was Lyra was the baby over there, we weren't sure what was going on. So it, it, it was unclear what time. Because I, I thought, a little aside here, I'm going to get away from the plot, but um, <laughs> I thought this trilogy was supposed to be set like after the events of the first trilogy. But 
No, it, it apparently the beginning is like a prequel, and then the yeah. later, the second half is like after the trilogy, I guess. Okay, so anyway, so we I didn't know that going to this, so I was like, oh, who's this baby? And then like, oh, it's, it's just Lyra, so this is just... Uh, yeah, it's yeah, just so the before times. Tw- 12 years before the books that we yeah. read. So, uh, yeah, so anyway, the church is after... Uh, we, we learn about the alethiometers a little bit. There's one in Sweden. Uh, there's one in Oxford. Um, there's like the secret society like working against the church people, and they steal an alethiometer from uh, Bologna, Italy. Yeah. Um, there's this scholar lady, Hannah Ralph, who uh, strikes up a friendship with Malcolm, but also kind of is using him, exploiting the boy as a spy. Uh, mm-hmm. Hannah Ralph is, she works at Oxford, she reads the Alethiometer, but she's also part of this, uh, what's it called? Oakley Street, the, the secret <laughs> society that's yep, like... Yeah, Oakley an, Street. Yeah, yeah, the anti-religious... Which sounds like a record label, but all right, go on. Yeah, okay, so uh, we, we learn about this, so there's this, this cast of characters that's building, and then... Uh, at Malcolm's school, there's some troubling developments. Like the religious nuts are uh, recruiting all the children to be in the League of Saint Alexander and basically yep, rat out their parents. Little Hitler um, thing. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yep. That's pretty much what it is. Um, anyway, uh, Malcolm also takes a shine to this baby Lyra. They, they, I don't know. It's kind of weird. I don't know what's going well, on. Prince on her. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's kind of what I was thinking. It reminded me of Twilight a little bit. Because um, she cries when he's not around and stuff. And I'm like, ah, crap. It's more imprinted. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, oh, there's some Egyptians around, too. This one guy, I forget what to Laxon Van Corum or something. What's his name? I don't remember. Anyway, he, ah, I forgot. Uh, he's talking there. And then Lord Azrael shows up and borrows uh, Malcolm's boat. Uh, and yep. then he he gives, uh, through the Egyptians, he gives Malcolm his boat back with some sweet upgrades. Um, and then there's a flood and Malcolm gets away <laughs> in the boat with um, Alice and Lyra. Did they have Lyra with him? Uh, I don't. Oh, he did. He did steal Lyra away. Yeah, so right. so yeah. the uh, the first half of this book that we read, uh, it closes with uh, Malcolm, um, this girl Alice, who uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like she and Malcolm got along very well. But Alice worked at the inn, and then, I don't know, they, they kind of became allies. Um, so, yeah, they did that. Uh, Alice and Malcolm take Lyra. And don't forget uh, the floods. That's the reason why he takes I, Lyra. I know, did you I say just flood? said that. Did I miss yeah, that part? I Sorry, flood, I missed that. But anyway, it was, yeah, it, was, it, was, it closed with them in his uh, awesomely upgraded new boat. Um, That's right. In the, escaping the flood <clears> with <throat> the baby. So, they, yeah, okay. So, uh... That story was convoluted. Not that it's your <laughs> fault, but the author made it convoluted. I don't know. I don't think it was that convoluted. I, oh. I probably did do it. No, no, it's Justice. not you at all. Uh, as I was reading the story, I'm like, I have... So, as I was, like, helping move and doing other stuff, like, you know, just, like, around my house and everything, and I'm listening to the audiobook, I can usually pay attention, and I don't have a problem keeping up with what's going on. But for some reason with this book, I would be like, am I zoning out? I have no idea what's happening. Like, one character is fighting another character with a hyena, and I don't know who the hell these people are. Like, what's going on? Why am I not following what's happening? Well, the hyena was a, a, a demon. Did you forget Did you forget that whole thing? People have, like, physical no, manifestations of their soul. So yes, that's what the, the hyena was. Okay. I know, the hyena demon. But, um, uh, but I didn't understand, like... It jumped from Malcolm to just suddenly be at the Uppsala University in Sweden, where three men are talking, Gunnar, Axel, and Coram. <laughs> so it's like, but I didn't catch that one little part. And so I'm like, wait, what's going on? Who's talking? Why is there suddenly someone trying to attack someone else with their demon that's a hyena and they cuts off one of the legs and all this kind of stuff? 
Uh, and so I had to go back and look over the notes, and I'm like, this thing is convoluted as hell. Like, I had to go onto a website where they broke down each chapter, and I'm like, this is nuts. Do because they... it jumps around, and inter- it introduces so many characters that I was having the worst time trying to keep up. There are literally, what did I wind up counting in the end? 25 characters are introduced in the first five chapter or 15 chapters. And yeah, I, you and don't know which ones are important that you're <laughs> supposed to pay attention to. I know as I was, as I was uh, giving my half-assed plot synopsis there, I was looking at my notes and yeah, there's these characters I wrote down and I don't remember them because they only, I wrote them down, but they apparently weren't important because they didn't reappear. So, well, some of them do enough. That was my thing. Like, I don't, I don't know who I'm supposed to be paying attention to enough. Yeah. Where? What about Harry Dibden? Do you remember him? No. Is he no. the one that pinched Alice's ass? No. Harry Dibden was the cataloger at the Oxford Library. Oh. See, and that's the thing. They talk about each character, or he writes about each character just enough, where it's like, yeah. I, I guess I need to pay attention to this person because they may come back around again. The yeah. I forget uh, which chapter where the guy pinches Alice's butt as she's serving drinks. They yeah. take the time to give him a name and talk about what he does for a profession and where he works. I'm like, so I got to pay attention to who this guy is now? You have two sisters. Uh, you have uh, the friends Tom and Eric are brought up enough times where it's like, so I should pay attention to Tom and Eric, but not really Tom, just Eric. Just Eric, yeah. <laughs> I know. Mr. Taphouse, George Papa Dimolatrue. Papa Demetrio or something? Yeah. Yeah. It's just across the board. It's yeah. There are so many, like, I literally don't know who I'm supposed to care about so far in the story, except for Malcolm is the only one. And speaking <laughs> of Malcolm, did he, I, I can't remember, but was he a character at all in the you know, trilogy that we yeah. read? Did he appear at all? I was trying to remember, because, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, apparently he's imprinted on Lyra, so is he a big <laughs> deal? Like, I, I don't remember if he was actually in the books that we read previously. I don't remember him at all. I don't either, so I'm, I i don't know. I, that doesn't mean he wasn't there, but I just don't remember. Well, he wasn't standing out. He wasn't a prominent enough a character where we remembered. Unless Malcolm Maybe. winds up being like, who is that one airship guy? Was he Malcolm? Maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. But his story construction aside, he's a good writer. Like, yeah. you know, reading him or listening to the audiobook, it's very easy and it's enjoyable, but I don't totally understand what's happening 90% of the time because you've got to really jump around and follow the names of every character. And like I said, there's 25 fucking characters. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, maybe... <clears throat> Listening to it while you're helping your family move. No, this is also like cleaning the house. You know, like I went back, like after moving, I'm like, I don't think I retained anything. So I went back and I started from the beginning and listened to it all over again, just cleaning the house and just doing whatever dumb stuff. I think there's no mystery or anything to track so far. Like before, right away off the bat, boom, dust. People have learned about dust. There's mysteries around the dust. People are getting murdered because they know too much about dust. So you've got your mystery, the thing to kind of hook you in. I can't figure out what that is for this book so far. Do you know? Um, I don't know. It's not about mystery. I guess so much as just like the well, what's conflict the hook? Like, of... What's the point that's keeping you reading? You know what I mean? Well, it's just I think the, the conflict between the, basically the secular folks and the religious folks that are taking over the country and then just explaining how Lyra fits into all this, I guess. 
I mean, Do you mean the it's expanding on the magisterium or the CCD, constantly accorded discipline, or the Oakley Street, which is working against the magisterium? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or yeah, the League that. of Alexander? Like, even that's across the board. Like, you're juggling a lot of these organizations. Like, wait, so what's the conflict? Who am I focusing? What's. Well, the CCD, the League of St. Alexander, and the Magisterium, they're all, like, part of the Magisterium. They're all under that. Yeah, so Oakley Street, so we're we're reading this book, so so we're supposed to care about... But in Oakley Street is in opposition to them. I don't don't see what the... It's just that we're juggling a lot of stuff. So I guess we're rooting for Oakley Street. So the point of of why we read this many pages is that we're, we're concerned about the Magisterium taking too much control over society and we're rooting for Oakley Street. That's not like an, that's not like a great book to read. Like the, before you had dust and you had the mystery of like, are there angels? Is, is there proof of God? And all this stuff, it's like, ooh, so you get drawn into the story. This one, I can't figure, is it really like the Magisterium? We're just hoping that they lose and that's why we're reading the story. That's where I was just like, what's the point of this book? I was not... They did fan. allude to Lyra being part of this witch's prophecy already, so I don't know if there's more. But yeah, I don't know. But it's... we already know about that because <laughs> we read the previous books. Well, yeah, so I, I don't know. So, yeah, I know. Get on my so the, side, so Ben. That's, <laughs> so that's what sucked for you, I guess. I Because normally when you read a story, there's something where it's like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder how that works out. I can't figure out what that is in this book so far. Okay. And we've read, you know, the first half. So now the second half is going to have to magically pull together all 25 different characters that we've learned about or shed off a lot of characters and boil it down to a handful and also give us something big to be interested in to keep us reading to resolve at the end. Well, I don't know. Is Yeah, is there going to be anything to resolve? or Because this is, again, the first of a trilogy, so... Yeah, but this isn't in order. So we've already read his dark materials, so we know what's going on, the major conflict and how it Yeah, resolves. no, but I'm saying this is another trilogy. I know. So what's what's the conflict here and how does it get resolved? I don't know. I don't I'm know. saying maybe we'll find <laughs> out, but I'm saying don't expect everything to be resolved in this one book because there's two more books coming. No, I get that. Do you? But it doesn't sound like you do, though. We're reading this book, and this book has to have some kind of arc. So far, yeah. we've read all the way through book one, and it feels like it's flatlined and we haven't reached any crescendo to an arc yet. Like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's what's the conflict and how does it resolve at the end of this book that we're reading. Or what, not even a conflict. Like, what's the point? What's the, what am I reading here that I learn about at the end? And so far, it's just a build up to the three books we've already read is what it seems like. Yeah. So I guess the next book is supposed to be after his dark materials. By the next book, you mean the second half of this book? Yeah, the second half of this book. Because it's book one and book okay. two. Book two. Okay, I just want to make sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's part one and part two, but yeah, okay. Well, sure, whatever. I just, whatever. So, fine. Part one, I don't, we read it all the way to the end, and I, except for the flood, I don't really, I guess the flood was the point. Like, it's coming, and no one <laughs> believes it, and it finally came. I and guess so. So, and they so that alluded. was the point of book part one. And so then part two is going to be after his dark materials. I don't understand. I don't. I don't get. What, so so far, the flood was the only arc that happened in the in the first part. So I don't understand what the rest of this is about. So I'm just really hoping it ties it together in the end because so far I don't know what's happening. But you do. You seem pretty confident. Well, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just saying there's La Belle Sauvage. It's literally the name of the book we're reading, 
Yeah. It's the least important thing in this story, unless it magically becomes sentient and saves lives. I don't understand why the boat. The La Belle Sauvage is the name of the boat. The boat, yeah. Okay. So why is the why is this boat so important that it's the name of the book that we're reading? Because so far it's just a just a throwaway thing. It's just a boat he likes. What did he name it after? It was something that was important to his father or something. I forget. I don't know. I was just disappointed because I was going to make a Sauvage as almost the same as sausage. I was going to make some lame sausage jokes, but then the Philip Pullman took care of that. Like on the first page, he already did. He was really? Like, yeah. He's <laughs> like, Oh, okay. I guess I won't be doing that. <laughs> did he? How did he take yeah. care of it? I missed that part. Cause audiobook. did he like, and this is not sausage related. <laughs> what did he want no, to say? Malcolm. So Malcolm was looking for paint to like paint the name better on the boat, you know, oh, was, sure. he was looking for red paint. Um, but they mentioned that part of that was because one of his friends kept like painting an S over the V to make it read sausage. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Sure. sure. So, well, he beat you to it. A witty acquaintance thought it amusing to scrawl an S over the V. That's, <laughs> that <laughs> That's was why on, I missed it. That was on page <laughs> two. Yeah. That was halfway down page two. So I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah. Well, so that's kind of my big what sucked about this for me. But you don't seem to agree, which is fine. I wish you could uh, talk me out of it because I'm just convinced. I can't talk you out of it either. I mean, you're making a valid point, I guess. I'm just not as worked up about it as you are. (laughs) Oh, I'm worked up about it because I've. I have to make time to listen and or read this thing where it's like, but I don't know what's happened. There's nothing drawing me in to make me want to keep reading. Like I'm just reading about a kid in the world he lives in and the world is not that exciting. So that's the reason why I'm just like, what's a, what's book number two or part two or whatever going to be like. I hopefully do you you miss twilight. I mean, we could get back to the like 50 shades trilogy if you prefer, you know, it's weird. Twilight and Fifty Shades at least has... So, like, Fifty Shades had the goal. The goal was, are you going to get this BDSM guy to love you? It's like, oh, <laughs> and, boy, and, uh, I don't know. But at least double, that's set up. Double Dirty Mountain Men had the goal of anal. <laughs> <laughs> well, this the goal was... Have that. The goal Where's was, the what are they going to stop molesting this passed out woman and get her to consent? It was the goal of Double Dirty Mountain Men. Because yeah. wasn't she passed out for, like... When they got uh, her out of the car. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, Phil, Phil Pullman, where's, where's the metaphoric uh, anal here? Yeah, That's, that's what Glenn needs. You know, you just added something to the show I never thought we needed. We need... Butt what's, stuff? What's the hook? What's the catch? What's the conflict? What draws people in? What's the mystery <laughs> box? It's just all of it is just anal. Where's the it's, anal in this story? <laughs> the anal? Is that our new code for... Okay. I, like I guess it, it is. Yeah. So yeah, uh, there's do no we, Do we need here. to add that to the official outline? Anal, colon. Where's the anal? Yeah. Do you enjoy any of the books that you read ever? I do, normally. Uh, I had problems with Philip Pullman in the last trilogy. Yeah. Only because some of it came off as a little like, oh, you've set up, you you got some set-offs that you never paid off. So like, or set-ups or whatever. Like you, you don't. You set these things up and you're not wrapping it up at the end to explain why we had to experience why you set it up to begin with. And part one of this book is just a ton of setups that he is either going to pay off in a masterful way. 
you're afraid it's not going to pay off. Is that what you're saying? I don't. I don't know how he's going to. He's got 25 characters that we've learned about, and I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Like, is Tom or whatever one of the kids at school going to be something that pays off later because he's always giving away his dad's secrets? Yeah, you're getting Tom confused with Eric. Are you are sorry? You once bitten, twice shy. Is that what's going on here? Oh, what's that? What are you talking about? What's <laughs> what? That's it's an old expression. You ever heard that before? Well, I know it's a song from the 80s. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You, did you feel burned by the first trilogy? Now you're you're just you're not willing to open your heart to this trilogy? I don't know. Well, what's good? What do you think's good about this book, Ben? Um, I don't know. Like you said, Philip Ullman is a good writer, so it's... Even if you don't think there's going to be a payoff, it's still, like, it's not painful to read or anything. It's He's a good wordsmith. Yes. Do you got anything for what the hell? No. I do. Oakley Street <laughs> okay. wants to use Malcolm as bait for blackmail. Oh, yeah, that's for a okay. pedophile. <laughs> for a pedophile, yeah. Okay, there's that part. <laughs> that's the second time in one of Pullman's books we've dealt with an older person <laughs> hitting on a young man or woman. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, would we rec- uh, recommend it? So far, I don't know. It depends on how the <laughs> book ends for me. How about you? Uh, yeah, about the same. I mean, I, I feel like I'm a little more optimistic than you are, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't finished it yet, so we'll see. Well, you'll join the dark side. Do you want to read anything <laughs> for Ben's Corner, Ben? So to set this up a little bit, um, earlier in the book, uh, Hannah Ralph, the uh, alethiometer scholar that Malcolm Paul said has befriended and is uh, providing information to, um, she earlier had been at the uh, house of someone in the Oakley Street organization, and they were talking about uh, making sure she was on board with everything and... Uh, Towards the end of the night, there was uh, kind of an awkward uh, moment where uh, Hannah felt that everyone else in the room knew something that she didn't. And, and uh, didn't they give her like a new alethiometer? That yeah, like, yeah. So she she had been at Oxford working with the uh, alethiometer there, like in an official capacity with a, a team of alethiometer people. Um, Oakley Street um, got their hands on one of the other. Because there's only, what, five or six known alethiometers in the world. Right. And so one of them was at the University of Bologna in Italy. And uh, Oakley Street got their hands on that. The uh, the Magisterium was trying to get it. And uh, one of Oakley Street's operatives got killed. But the other Oakley Street people managed to get that alethiometer, get it out of Bologna and back to uh, to London, where it's now in the hands of Hannah Rolf. Mm-hmm. And they have... Convinced her to leave Oxford and then just be full-time on this alethiometer that they have. So, uh, But anyway, when they were recruiting her, there was this odd moment at the end of the night. And, uh, this passage is uh, now at a later date when Hannah was this, is with uh, Professor Papa Dimitru and uh, is talking about that moment. So, Once the safe had been installed and the break with the alethiometer group was complete... Hannah asked Professor Papadimitriou about that odd moment at the end of the dinner when no one could look at her, when the atmosphere changed so suddenly. Papadimitriou explained it. It seemed that sometimes Oakley Street and other secret services had to use blackmail in order to turn an agent on the other side. There was an agent they were targeting at present, for example, who was reputed to have an unhealthy interest in young boys. (laughs) 
As soon as he said that, she saw the trap she'd fallen into and cried out in dismay. No, not Malcolm! <laughs> oh, I didn't know you were going in that direction. Hannah, <laughs> I won't allow it! <laughs> you want to offer him up? I don't know, as a temptation? And then what? You'll burst into the room and catch the man red-handed? Or worse, you'll have a secret camera saw to take photograms? And you want to put Malcolm into a situation like that? How despicable! And Nugent said it wouldn't put him in danger, and I believed him! God, what a fool! God. Is that how you saw this character as you were reading it? Uh, no. the Bella? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all, but I just wanted to do the voice. Oh, that was amazing. Oh, uh, well, you did it again. Well, uh, thank you, Ben, for that beautiful reading. Uh, anything else you want to add about the book before we uh, move on with our lives? Okay, I can tell that we took a few weeks off because I really did a number on my throat doing that voice. It's, <laughs> it's not easy. I can't, I can't just the, dive into it like that. Yeah, I'm, 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 I got to train better for that. Hey, you lost the callus. Like yeah. uh, any good sewer gets a good callus on their finger, uh, and you lost yours. Well, you should practice more in the bathroom while you're brushing your teeth, that kind of thing. I guess so. Well, all right. Uh, I guess that's it for us. So should we take another two weeks to read the next half? Or uh, Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. It's, it's freaking long. I know you hate me <laughs> saying that, but God, this is a long book. Well, with that, thanks for listening, and uh, we will see you later. If you liked what you heard on this episode of The Book Boys, how about you check out the website? Go over to nuzzlehouse.com. There you can see all of the previous episodes of The Book Boys, as well as Glenn's other project, Leaves of Glenn. Also there, there's a link to our affiliate shop at bookshop.org. It's bookshop.org slash shop slash nuzzlehouse. Bookshop.org is on a mission to financially support independent booksellers. Also, find us and follow us on social media. We're on Twitter and Insta. Now, careful, this one's a little backwards. We're there at House Nuzzle. Not Nuzzle House. That's House Nuzzle on Twitter and Instagram. Go ahead and slide into our DMs if you have any praise or suggestions or complaints. We'll take anything. Please just pay attention to us and interact with us. Thank you for listening.